same time san jose is hugely i mean san jose is central valley so it's hugely latino oh yeah so it's that same attitude absolutely i mean that's why right. i always tried to do the work that i did because like my dad was into shit like not doing not only doing that but my dad was into shit like we need to smuggle food down to you know mm -hmm. cesar chavez you know what i mean mm -hmm. during my days at the university of california i was one of 250 black students out of a population of thirty thousand. when were you there by the way from 96 to 99. Did you ever go to any parties, like hip hop parties? Hell no. <laughs> I didn't have no time, man. Okay, that's why you have good grades. But you knew of them? All of them. So all the frat parties, like the black frat parties? All of them. Every time there was like a, a hip hop show, that was me. That was me booking a hip hop show. I went Not from, a shock. Yeah, I went from, or you know when you walk down Telegraph Ave? Mm, oh, And the yeah. guy's selling tapes? Yeah. That was, yes. Yeah. Yep, <laughs> yep. Right off university. Not even that far. No, no. Telegraph and uh, Durant. Oh, oh, Durant. Okay, yeah. Yeah, or okay. Telegraph in front of Amoeba. Was, that's when we really moved. Gotcha. 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 You know, during my day, it was, it was super, oh, super thick over at Rasputin's. Yes. Yes. And then the dorms up the hill. Yes. Right, yep. And then down the hill. Roachdale. Yep. yep. Roachdale. All, all the way up to Strawberry Canyon. Did you know my boy Kirby? Kirby what? Kirby Dominic. Dreadlocks, one eye. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't Economic, think so. Economics major, but he had this thing. Oh, called, then absolutely not, because yeah. you got to keep in mind, I was in the dungeon. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, he had this thing called the Dominant Pimping Coalition. <laughs> he used to throw like the West Coast Freak Nick, but yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I think we're ready. Are we ready? Oh, wait. Is this thing on? We're taping. Cage Cousins. Happy 2019. Yes, yes, yes. We are back. Um, what a great new season. We're ready. We're excited. We've changed some things up. We try to keep our training fresh and new. Couple, sort of. Sort of. Couple of announcements. You know, something about the yin-yang energy in the universe. Shout out to uh, one of our co-hosts. Fred Yu, he couldn't be here, but he's too busy being a father because he yes. had a newborn baby. Congratulations, so Fred. Clap it up. Yeah, yeah. I haven't met you, but congratulations. Fatherhood. We, you know, Fred the estimator, master of jujitsu. Um, in other news, um, sadly, I want to take a couple moments to dedicate this episode and every episode to uh, the memory of uh, Sifu Wong Jackman, who was hugely inspirational and important to my family in terms of martial arts. Probably the first person to expose black people to internal martial arts in Oakland and made sure that they could use it to train their minds, heal their bodies, and protect themselves from terrorism at the hands of racism. So my heart goes out to the family and thank you very much for your contribution. That being said, new season, new ideas. We're here to talk about UFC 234 which is Whitaker versus Gastelum. And it wouldn't be right without bringing, and I'm so happy to say this, a special guest, a actual professional mixed martial artist yes, yes. by the name of Hector 
El Matador Farajado. Clap it up. Yeah, yeah. Cage Cousins. Yeah, yeah. Now, sometimes I have that old black uncle moment, and I can't pronounce things, and I rely on JK, who's African. <laughs> and because he's from Africa, he could speak six languages. And because you're Latino and Chicano, you could speak six languages. But us ignorant Americans who are educated here, I can do this. Um, Hector is uh, from the Bay Area, grew up in the East Palo Alto area. Affirmative. Uh, came out of the San Jose State Judo program. Yep. Which is near and dear to our heart because we have a fellow judoka in the house. Yes, yes. Um, and then found himself in the MMA. Spent a lot of time at the notorious and lovely Sancho School of uh, Kung Lee. Mm-hmm. Then went to Rogue Empire, which is a great program uh, over in East Palo Alto teaching kids MMA. And has got himself into a bit of a trouble now that he is premiering as a one and zero record as a professional MMA in what league? Um, well, my next fight's going to be over at Combate. Combate America is out in uh, February 22nd in Fresno. And Cage Cousins, you can catch that on UFC's Fight Pass. Um, if you want to catch it in Spanish, Univision, it's going to be uh, nationally televised. And uh, DAZN also will be streaming it as well. So all eyes on me. Lovely. There you go. There you Lovely. go. N- normally, Flow Combat carries this, g- these fights as well. Are they carrying this one? Not this one, no. Not this one? No. Okay. As far as I know, exclusively extreme through DAZN and uh, Univision. So okay. all, all the Spanish speakers are going to be uh There you go. Taste. Representing. Yeah, exactly. Which is great. I, I mean, I always make this joke that the two biggest sports in the world are, are soccer and MMA, right? Because... They cater to the poor man, right? Yeah. Um, for you, uh, how did you, now that you're here at this career, now you've seen this as passion, uh, how did you get here? How did you get to being uh, a mixed martial artist professional? Um, man, it was a long journey, to be honest. Uh, went through college. It wasn't really on my radar when, it, when I went into San Jose State. I didn't even know what mixed martial arts was. I was uh, primarily a boxing head, traditionally, through my family. Right. Um, uh-huh. So yeah, so when the debates came on what was safer, MMA or boxing, I was always like, oh, boxing, of course, boxing. Right, right. So I, I had no clue whatsoever about really martial arts in general. And then uh, I took a PE judo class, and uh, it, it just went from there. I got hooked on martial yeah. arts. It was actually funny. Um, there are quite a few people in in that class that were uh, that knew a bunch of guys at AKA, and at the time, like they're listing off names, like you know John Fitch, right, you know, Koscheck. Right. Oh, I know Koscheck, and I'm sitting there in class wondering who's this, who's right, that. Right. Um, and that kind of got me sparked a little bit because I started putting faces to all these names as I started going to events and whatnot. And then, I, then I saw my first UFC fight, UFC 87. Uh, Fitch and GSP, and then I was kind of like watching, like, oh my gosh, I've heard of that. Oh, I know that guy. Like, I know who that guy is. Right. And and then it just started climbing from there. I started getting more knowledgeable in, in MMA, um, but I was purely focused on judo. And then graduating out of, out of San Jose State, um, for me, judo was never my. It was never natural for me uh, since judo. I started so late. Yeah. Uh, starting so late, and then I, I mean, going into a, such a good program, San Jose State's an Olympic training center. Yeah. Um, Everybody there was aimed for the Olympics. Everybody was, you know, doing international tournaments. And I was hanging in there with a lot of the best. But for me, it didn't light my fire. It didn't really light the fire. Like, I knew, it, for me, the, the goal was not to go to the Olympics. Like, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go to the Olympics or whatnot. That wasn't on my radar. I was realistic. Um, but seeing MMA and, being, and seeing it more and more and seeing it as a girl, I was kind of like, 
this is kind of the sport for me. Like, right. I think this might be the way. And then, I mean, I, I boxed really, really young, very informally, but I boxed a little bit. So boxing came kind of naturally to me. And then I had judo. So it was kind of, I was kind of in a pickle of like, I know how to grapple and I know how to strike. You know what? This might actually be the thing. And then just seeing it blow up more, I was like, okay, I started getting more interested. Then, uh, then I graduated college, um, got into the real world, worked a nine to five and life was not as fulfilling and <sighs> i was doing everything was great i was in a great situation but everything it just wasn't fulfilling i couldn't make judo practices anymore so i started getting out of shape been there yeah life hit me been there because i've been so used to going to judo practice every single day for right. years all through college and it just for me not to have something like that i just had a giant hole in my life and i took that opportunity to be like okay you know what let's try something new and I got into MMA, you know, started training a little, uh, cross training with uh, Kung Lee's gym, yeah. and then primarily with Rogue Empire and East Palo Alto. I sought them out, yeah. um, and then it just took off from there. Just kept training, took off from there. And if you were to explain to somebody who didn't watch MMA or didn't train, what is if you weren't fighting, what is so fulfilling about training? Um, something special about that. Uh, so for me. I was never athletically gifted or I never really had that, mm. uh, that I didn't have too much natural ability. So actually going into mixed martial arts or, or just going into martial arts in general, um, the progression was what got me obsessed. Right. I started from absolutely, I mean, I came from football, but even in football, like I, I was very underdeveloped. I was always a late bloomer. Right. So seeing the progression of, uh, oh man, I'm getting better in this skill. Just it just I, you become obsessed. So goal setting. Oh, huge. And I always I always say that martial arts is sports for nerds, which is hard yeah. to explain. Which is why you know it's when, true when you meet a lot of like no gi guys, like mm -hmm. they're like, well, by day I build uh, satellites, but yeah. by night I choke people out. You yeah. know, it's hard to explain that to your mom, right? Who's like, yeah. oh my god, you're punching people. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but it's just like that new. It's it's such a. It's so hard to explain sometimes because it's. Because especially with martial arts and, and whatnot, with mixed martial arts, it's so much. Like everyone can, can build themselves. You don't, you know, no one's cookie cuttered into a style. Right. And I think that's what, what got to me the most. Because it's like for football, I'm like, oh, I wasn't big enough for football. I wasn't fast enough for football. Um, that doesn't matter in mixed martial arts because you have weight classes. Yeah. Um, you can have different skills in mar mixed martial arts. You don't have to be the hardest puncher. You can be a technical grapp uh, grappler. Uh, you don't even have to be the best grappler. You know, you 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 can set your style, and it's kind of like a kind of like a video game character. I was in video games too, as uh, oh well, I can you know learn this skill and this mix and matches with this skill, and start kind of building yourself up. Yeah. And I just got obsessed with the progression because I was like, okay, I'm picking this up. This kind of works. This doesn't work. Let's keep this. Boom, 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 and then just follow the road. Now let me ask you this. Um, oftentimes, I always say one of my biggest problems when I was training was I was a freak athlete. Mm. And then when that athleticism was taken away from me, it kind of gave me, it kind of left me handicapped because I didn't know how to make that transition. You mentioned that you weren't a, national, a, a natural athlete. Yeah. So with that, with that, what are some of the differences and some of the advantages that you think that you might have in some of these exchanges because you may be more technical? Uh, I have to rely more on my technique. Um, it carries me a lot further, so I mean that's a huge advantage. And then it, and then also just stressing basics, mm -hmm. uh, falling back on basics more than anything, because it's like I don't have to cook, you know, I don't have a death left straight to fall back on. 
So I have to build, sharpen my other tools right. to supplement stuff. So I, I, I personally like being very well-rounded. Right. I think actually the really big natural, my really only natural ability was being stubborn enough, being stubborn not to quit. <laughs> I know something about that. Yeah, yeah. you would. Yeah. You would. Um, given that, and I'll be very transparent, given that judo is something new that I've been learning the last two years, um, where do you see judo show up in your life in other places that have nothing to do to fighting? Um, in a good question. In life, honestly, all over the place. Um, Give me one example. If we're just work, work was huge. Uh, going into the going into the nine to five world after college, um, it was it was it made everything for me because I was learned. I was taught, you know, going through practice, you're put in difficult situations, and you have to figure out ways to get out or get through it. Hmm. Um, I was kind of in that same sense going into a job. My first job coming out of college was a very difficult, I was dealing with a very difficult boss and I wasn't happy. Like, you know, I wasn't happy with the way things were going, but the thing is the bill still had to get paid. Yeah. Everything still had to get done. So it was just basically like, it's like, okay, it's just like going to, a day at work is like going to judo practice. Even if you're not feeling good or you're not feeling, you know, you're not feeling on point, you still got to get it done. So yeah. that, that kind of motivation, that drive, that pushed me, that, that kind of discipline set me right for it. And I did fine. I was able to work. I was able to work and still train. And I did, yeah. I did pretty good as an amateur. Um, I, I trained pretty much as much as most pros would train as an amateur. But, um, but I was still able to handle a nine-to-five job and do everything I had to do. By the way, all of y'all people out there that are bosses, I hate y'all jokers. <laughs> I hate y'all. Because y'all are the suckers that want to sit up there and because you have no control in your personal life, you want to try to control other people in these four walls. Y'all suckers. Y'all are suckers. You hear that, Double D? We're suckers. <laughs> I paid the cost to be the boss. Um, so you're completely pro now, so you're not working full-time at all? You're just so part-time? Yeah, so basically that was a big reason for my move to Alpha Male. Um, as I was going through my amateur career, I, you know, I was looking to make the jump to pro. Um, things just weren't going right. Um, I was actually very, living very comfortably. I was still able to train in the mornings, train at nights. I still worked the nine to five and I was making great money. I was in a very comfortable situation. I was still living at home, so I wasn't paying rent or anything like that. Okay. So, you know, I was living great, but, um, you know, there was a situation with my previous job where they were looking to lay me off. Uh -huh. And, then it kind of just hit me like, whoa, like I kind of got shook up from being comfortable and then everything kind of spun out or, you know, I was looking at, at, a, at life changes. And yeah. then I just kind of took the opportunity to be like, you know what, I'm, I'm in my late twenties. I'm, I'm cracking 30, you know, how much, why not roll the dice and go all the way in? I've always, that's one thing I've always done since judo. I've always put my studies and work and still made it to practice. But I'm like, what happens if I flip it the other way around? Right. What happens if I turn it the other way around and I put training, everything first, make work supplemental? And that's exactly how I took it. That's exactly how I took it. I was like, you know what? Uh, the situation opened up for me to move to Alpha Male. Um, I was able, so I'm still working. Yeah. Um, I got to pay the bills. But, uh, and but, are you staying up in the dorms up there? No, so I'm, I'm, I'm living with one of the coaches. Great. I'm, I'm okay. out there, So Great. which is perfect, which is perfect. He's my head cornerman. Great. Um, so, you know, he's, he's also my mid holder. So I get a lot of work with him and, Great. you know, we get to chop it up. I'm, I'm basically, I'm living it 24 seven. And then Sacramento, the, take care of my boy. Yeah, <laughs> they've been doing a great job. Good. So I basically get to 
first half of the day, I get to train, get that yeah. out of the way. Yeah. I'm fresh. I get to go in there and just, you know, prioritize my training. Um, and then after that, I go right to work. I work for the rest of the day and I'm usually fine because I'm, I'm kind of crazy like that where uh, um, if I don't train, it screws up my day. It really jacks my day up. So it's great that I get to do that first, train hard, get all that done for the day. And then the rest of the day, I got to go show up and work. Now, let me ask you this then. So are there any of your colleagues at this nine to five that know that you are involved in martial arts? Uh, from So... My previous colleagues, they know. They all knew. Okay. I was lucky um, that they were martial artists. So mm. we were, I was in an office full of martial artists. Wow. All See, you got judokas. fortunate. You got fortunate. No, I did. My boss was great. He was great. He would, he would give me time. That's, that's why I was comfortable because he would give me time and be like, hey, I got this fight. Is it cool if I take this time off? Yeah, sure. Go. Go take time right. off. But wow. at the same time, like it was a good situation, but it could have been better. Right. You know what I mean? It I'm just saying, be better. If, yeah. you're, if you're going, for, for amateur-wise, it was great. It was perfect. Um, I think I was trending in the right direction, but it wasn't trending fast. And, I, and for me, I'm like, look, if I'm going to do this professionally, if I'm going to do this right, then it has to be 100%. I have to, you know, right. it's professional. I have to, the pro fighting has to come first. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome because I, I had a, an experience in which, obviously, being involved in martial arts where, you know, I was also in the corporate sector. Mm. So, you know, they kind of frowned upon that thing where yeah. I'm like, okay, well, you know what? I got to take this flight over to Florida to go catch this fight. Yeah. And they just look at me like I was crazy. I so, did I mean, catch a little bit of heat because mm -hmm. um, my previous employer was like, hey, I'm getting, the, I'm getting the vibe that you're taking training over your work. And that's kind of a, like, you're more, you're more, because I mean, it was a sales job. So it's like, you know, See I need I mean? you to be more of a go-getter. You got to be more of a go-getter with your, with your, which makes sense. It's a sales job. Right? But, but, but see, you see, you see what I mean? What, what, what about these bosses? You see what I mean? <laughs> I just said that, didn't I? Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry, Hector. Go ahead. Yeah. But, uh, but I mean, he was very supportive. He was a great boss. I have nothing negative to say about mm -hmm. the, you know, the previous situation, but, um, but yeah, I mean, he brought that up. And, and, and at the same time, I was just kind of like, you know, that's always how it's been with me. I've always been like, man, you know, I've always put training first, whatnot, and my job just gets me through. So I just basically took the opportunity to be like, okay, now I'm really going to put that situation where, where my mind's been at. So I'm going to actually put training first and then, you know, work less hours and whatnot, sacrifice a little bit. It was a huge sacrifice because I had to, I left home. That's the first time I left home. I, that's the first time I left the Bay ever. Wow. Wow. And went into a completely brand new situation over at Alpha Male where it's the elite of the elite, especially in my weight class. Yeah, anywhere no from one thirty, anywhere from one fifty five and under, it's it's an elite. No room. kidding, no so, kidding. And that was the biggest thing going over there. I spent some time. I actually took <laughs> I took a paid vacation out to Alpha Male to spend a little bit of time out there, wow. um, which was actually funny how I ended up over there. I actually fought two Alpha Males in my am uh, amateur career. I was gonna say, yeah. I was trying to figure out how that, that happened. I was just about to, it's so funny that you say that because yeah. that was going to be my next question. Like, like, how did that connection even happen? two of them. Um, they were close fights. Decisions, both of them. Split um, decisions, right? One, I believe, was a split. The other one was a unanimous. The first okay. one was a unanimous. Okay. But, I mean, they were tough fights. So they were very familiar with me, and I fought both of them. Right. And, uh, and at the end, the last one that I fought, um, funny story, after our fight, it's like, hey, man, come out. Take a right. trip. Of course. <laughs> Whenever you want to come out here, you know, just take a trip, see how it is. And I was kind of like, I'd have to be stupid to say no. Right. Got an invite. <laughs> I got a nice invite. I'm like, really? I'm like, you know, I'm kind of tired of fighting you guys, man. Like, because <laughs> that was the thing with me. Um, 
seeing their style, they didn't miss any corners. Yeah. You know, they, they did the best job of blending everything. When I was, when I had, I was always a step behind because I was a good, I was a good striker. I was a good grappler, but the in-between was what I was missing. Transitions. The transitioning was Got a it. big problem. Yeah um for me and that's why they were always like slightly a step ahead slightly a step ahead and i was kind of like man that's how that's i mean that camp is set up so great and the thing that i loved about it it was very very i mean very familiar to how uh san jose state kind of runs their same style right Mm. same style Mm. no matter what happens you show up every day the work is set and everything produces from there right all i got to do is literally all i got to do is show up right and the work is put in so I took the time to go out there, took the time to uh, spend a week out there, and I, and I loved it. And then shortly after, I was like, oh, I'm moving out here. So um, you're going to have that moment one day when you're going to walk into either Bellator or UFC. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a contract. You're going to ask the great super producer, Double D, to pick out your walkout song because <laughs> you know you can't trust those people at UFC. Oh, yeah. What is your hip-hop song that you want people to know? Man, how Matador it, is here. Ah, oh, it's tough, man. To be honest, because I, I, it's always by mood. It always flips around. Yes. It's I. I think I've only used. I've only used two songs multiple times. Okay. okay. Yeah. So which are first one? First one was Energy from Drake. I was feeling that one. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I know. I knew you were gonna give me that look. I knew you were gonna give me that look. But I was feeling that. I used that one, two. I think two or three times. The other one was DNA from Kendrick Lamar. Woo. Yeah. And oh. That was okay. going. Okay. Well, well, I got I got a little suggestion for you if I could put a bug in your ear. All right. You know, cause I'm from the classic hip hop generation. Uh-huh. So Method Man's Bring the Pain. That's a good one. But he'll play that anytime. <laughs> Tupac, you can't see me. Hey, very good. And I mean anything Tupac. You're anything at, Tupac. You're at uh, Alpha Male. You gotta. Oh, you gotta, yeah. gotta shout out oh, the yeah. boss. Absolutely. Cage and Cousins. If you're on the East Coast, <laughs> if you're on the East Coast, you could play Kumo D's Wild Wild West. Oh. I'm not mad at you. <laughs> Cage Cousins, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back. I am the sweet NBA. I'm joined by... Hector Matador Fajardo. As and well the as diabolical doctor, J.K. Akins. Everything recorded, put in front of you, and stylized by Dream Air Productions. We'll be right back. This is Tyson Griffin, Sean Bunch, Myron and Hitman Smith, Jordan the Juggernaut Pal, Maurice Alonso, shout out to Cage Against the Machine, MMA Podcast, MMA Fantasy League for you. You Google them right now, because I'm about to Google them. And we are black as hell. And brown. And nice, Shadrick. Thank you. A little bit, a little bit lighter. A little shade, but yeah, lighter. Right, we're brown. In a afternoon. <laughs> we're not too far off, though. Yes, we are. Yeah. Hey. Cisse played it, homie. All right. <laughs> we are back talking about UFC 234, which is Whitaker versus Gaslam, our first fight of the night. Uh, we have the brute Jim Crew versus Smiling Sam Alvey. I'll make it short and sweet just like myself. The UFC likes Sam Alvey. They like Sam Alvey in Australia. He uh, lost some fights. He needs to be fed. I think Sam Alvey wins this fight easily by KO. That's why it was booked this way. Thoughts? I went Crute. Ooh. I'll tell you why. Please. Crute is an Australian guy. Yes. And they're bringing in Alvy on short notice. Mm. That doesn't, although Alvy has the knockout, has, has the knockout power, I think they're actually bringing in Alvy to feed Crute. Ooh. He's a contender. That's interesting. Crute's a contender series winner. That, that's that's it, right. That's interesting. It's interesting that you bring that up 
because I think that Sam Alvey is one of the most difficult people to prepare for on a short notice. Yeah. He is very awkward. He is very strange. His strikes come from very weird Dominic Cruz type angles. Mm -hmm. So it's that's why I actually think that Alvy will win this fight. I don't. I don't think he will finish Crude, but I'll, I'll take him by a decision. Okay. He's just. He's just a difficult guy to prepare for, and then you're bringing him in on a one week notice. It's tough for Alvy on that end too, because he's got to go all the way to Australia. That's true. And he's had but, some tough fights. His previous fights have been pretty tough. That's yeah. true. Yeah. But yeah. this yeah. time he didn't have to cut weight. Mm. This is at two o five. Yeah. Right. And I think he changed up his training regimen too. Well, what I, I can mean, see. I mean, his, I don't uh, think it's all his wife anymore. Yeah, <laughs> right. I'm what? not positive. I know he spends most of. It, I mean, he's with Dan Henderson, but I know. Right. Uh, right. His wife was running his corner. I don't know. That this guy's unpredictable, so it's yes, hard he to is. tell. Right. It's hard to tell. Okay. We'll we'll see. Uh, what do we got next? You know, you're gonna have to help me with this, Doctor. Okay, I'll <laughs> help you. I'll speak a little bit of Wakanda. Uh, we have Devonte Smith. Which may or may not be an R&B singer. Could be Devontae Swing. Could be Devontae Smith. Versus the maestro. Young Hung Ma. Love you for that. Yeah. Love you for that pronunciation. I probably would have gotten Cantonese and ruined it, and I didn't mean to be offensive. I'm just ignorant. Oh, well, right? there you go. But I do love me some Korean barbecue. Oh. And like the nefarious J.K. Akins, I am from North Oakland. Which means what? means on one side of the street it's Ethiopian, the other side is Jamaican, and the other side is Korean, right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Thank you very much. And then uh, you go downtown and it's Chinese. Right, straight up. Um, so Devante is surfing on a very drippy, uh, uh, see what I did, young people? Yeah. Speaking your language. Very drippy five-win streak with his finishes. Um, now the maestro might even be a mirror image of his training partner at 155, who's also fighting in the prelims. Um, his secret seems to come from provoking power punchers to overcommitting, and then he comes back with a disgusting counter that ends them. Uh, so this really comes down to me for Smith's confidence of understanding, can he just lay in the shots over and over again rather than going for the kill early? Um, I believe this will be Smith by decision. I agree. I went Devontae Smith as well. Um, he's got a not, he finished Julian Arosa. Yeah. His last fight, who is a uh, veteran. You know, Juicy J, that guy can fight. Yeah. Um, Dong Yun Ma, I wasn't too, I did kind of dig back on his, on, on see of some of his past fights. He's kind of streaky. But uh, I, I think this young, young line over here, I think he's going to do it right. I, I like his hair. I mean, me yeah. personally, me personally, I'm, I'm just going to be 100% brutally honest. Please. I see no point in this fight. Same. I, I, I literally <laughs> see no point in this fight. Just for the hell of it, I'm going to pick it as a draw because I'm that annoyed. <laughs> but with that being said, um, Devontae Smith needs to be very careful with one particular thing. Ma comes from the Busan fight camp. Yep. Which is obviously the Korean zombie, mm. Young yes. Young Kim. Yep. Um, so what does that mean? Strong judo. So be careful if you get caught up in the clinch. Smith could be going for a ride or two. Well, strong jaw too, because think about it. You got Korean Zombie, Korean Superboy, all exactly. those guys. How many of the, those guys have chins? Man, it seems like they never get Insane knocked out. Insane chins. I also have a prediction. 
I think your boy, Yair Rodriguez, opened a can of worms. Oh, yeah. If you use somebody's country's traditional style mm. and you took it to the next level on them, their feelings are involved. So I bet you they're like, oh, let me show you what Taekwondo really can do. Let me give you some backward side elbows that you never saw coming. I feel like they're like, no, you can't freak me on my stuff. It's like when Americans started choking out jiu like Brazilian jiu-jitsu yeah. guys, and they're like, no, 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 no. This is our style. Yeah. So um, next fight coming up, we have... Ronnie Yaya. Versus Rickus Simon. Which is kind of funny because he kind of looks like the Filipino um, John Dodson. You can laugh at that. Yeah. Speaking of Busan, Busan is Deshaun's least favorite map on Overwatch. <laughs> Y'all can't see it right now, but Deshaun just just yelled fact. And I see that they've they've created a Paris map, and we'll argue about that later. Um, what can we say? Busan about, is a dope city, by the way. I can't wait to go. Busan was featured in what major movie that came out a year ago today? Black Panther. Mm. You'll have to come back. Are you a Marvel fan? I am. You have to come back for our Marvel show. Oh, I'd we love to. We do Avengers Marvel breakdowns. Oh, You'll have to come back. We'll yeah, love to have you. Yeah, uh, Captain America. Uh, uh, yeah. Captain Marvel's next. <laughs> Can't wait. Gonna I'm going to see that in a foreign country. I, I cannot believe it. Um, <laughs> Ronnie Yaya, a student of one, Dean Thomas at the American Top Team. Um, he looks like, I mean, this is quoting Dean. He looks like a terrible basketball player, right? Oh, yeah. Master jujitsu guy. Yep. Scary jujitsu. Yep. Um, very slick, academic, and he does what they call the basics, right? So if you think about um, the Nogueira brothers, Kron Gracie, sticking to the script does amazing things with them. <clears throat> Ricky Simon, on the other hand, um, has been putting his hands through people. It's really hard for me to call, call this fight. Um, I think Yaya by submission, yeah. but I think he's going to take a lot of damage. I agree. I think uh, <coughs> Ricky has a very forward style. He's not afraid to go forward at all. I think he's going to run into a submission from Yaya. Um, very blood and guts fight. This cat's tough. I, I will say that. Simon's tough. Ricky Simon Simona, I forget how he likes to say it. But, uh, yeah, I got, I got Yaya. He's, he's a vet. I think he's going to tap him out. He'll take this L. And then, uh, you know, maybe he'll try to run into my boy Benito Lopez after that. And then, oh, he's calling new fights. Well, he's been calling out, he's been calling out my boy Benito, and uh, he, he don't want that smoke. Interesting connection. He trains up at Gracie Barra, Portland, which is where Paige went yeah. to. Very interesting. Yeah. See, what's interesting about this fight is that both fighters only have one way to win it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what makes this part interesting. I, I don't I don't see Simon getting suckered into grappling with Yaya, mm. which is why I'm going to take Simon by a decision. Um, however, I would not be surprised if Simon knocks Yaya out cold. I could maybe see that. I, That's possible. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying it will happen. Yeah. It, it, I, I just don't I don't see Simon getting suckered into a jujitsu exchange. I think so. I, I don't. There is not a snowball's chance in hell that his corner would even allow that to happen. Unless he ignores Avoid his corner. Avoid any grappling exchanges at all costs. It's a very heavy wrestling style. I think recently... I wouldn't even mess with it. I think recently we've seen good examples of people completely ignoring what their corners told them. Yeah, yeah, we have. 
like you know Justino Cyborg. Yeah, we, we yeah, yeah. And that's not a criticism because we know you love our show. Thank you. Um, but we've seen this, right? Yeah, we have. So it's possible. I also feel like being from the camp that he's from, I feel like Sa- Simone. Yeah. Sim- I forget. I, I've heard it too, but I've heard him say Simone. I've heard <laughs> Simon. One of, it's one or the other. I feel like he wants to make a name for himself with his jiu-jitsu. Um, I think we saw that with Chiesa trying to choke, uh, choking out Condit. Um, so yeah. I think that's a trap. If his ego is built into that, if he has that type of ego, yes, he could be suckered. I think you're right. If he just sticks to the game plan, he lines it up. But there's also a point of I also have huge amounts of confidence in Dean Thomas's striking as a coach. And I, I, I do agree with that. Okay. But, but the bottom line is Yaya's hands just aren't there. And They're they, just not. And you just can't pick up those hands yet. No. Not at his age. No. No. He doesn't have to if he taps them. I, yeah, you're 100% <laughs> right. But and that's what makes this fight interesting because they both only have one way to win it. Yeah. Which is harder to learn? Um, kickboxing or pure boxing? Ooh. Ooh. Wow. That depends so, on the person. So if you're, yeah. you're a grappler, right? You're yeah. starting with just grappling, right? Okay. And now you're learning your striking arts. If we have two options, you have, you know... Option A, option B. I can teach, start you with kickboxing or start you with boxing. Which is going to be harder to get the fundamentals and be a proficient at quickly? I think, I think I would say probably kickboxing, I would say. Yeah. Only because, only because with kickboxing, it would be harder. It's more difficult to blend the, uh, the combinations. More to worry about, too. Yeah. No. There's, there's, much more, there's, there's much more. And also becoming fluid at those combinations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I guess I would take kickboxing as being yeah. more difficult. I guess I would. Um, the thing is, is that with boxing, though, it's easier to become, it, it's also easier to become more crisp yes. with your hands and, efficient. Than it, and more efficient with your hands than it is with kickboxing. Yeah, I second that. I also see that with a lot of grapplers, grapplers um, they get addicted to the, the touching somebody. They have a knockout. Oh, yeah. They have a second oh, knockout. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And now, knockout. Yeah. now yeah. they be convinced themselves they're knockout artists. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that where they happen. stay. That does As opposed happen. to an example, and I'm not just trying to butter up the doctor, uh, one of his favorite fighters, probably his favorite fighter, Tyron Woodley, yeah. knows he's a wrestler, right? He's got the disgusting hands, right? He's got the, the kickboxing, mm-hmm. but he knows he goes, but he still spends his six hours with Askren. And you know what? A lot of that, a lot of that, especially using Tyron Woodley as an example. Yeah. Um, and he has the same problem that I had when I was a young man, being a freak athlete. Okay. And when you're a freak athlete and things come naturally to you, sometimes you kind of get off kilter with your technique. I'll give you an even better example than Woodley. Aaron Pico. Oh, I was mm. trying not to go there. Mm. Aaron Oh, I guess you can bring that up because that's sort of like the enemy camp. I get it. Yeah. But it's also shots fired. But it's also <laughs> it's it's deeply pro. I guess we can talk about this now. Absolutely. It's deeply problematic because when TJ opens his mouth, I just I can't, I can't. <laughs> but his respect for his lineage, mm. right? His respect for Dwayne Bang and his respect for. Uh, for Boss Rutten, yeah. I don't see a lot of people have that same respect to martial arts. Yeah. And also yeah. his respect for Bay Area's own 
Mark Munoz, right? Yeah. In terms of wrestling. Yeah. You don't hear guys talk about their teachers that way. He's, he's like, you cannot pull him away from his guys. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but when you start calling yourself the GOAT, you're guaranteeing you're going to lose. Yeah, you're setting yourself up for failure. <coughs> yeah. yeah. Let other people call you the GOAT. Don't call or, yourself that. Or don't, don't let anybody call you the GOAT, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh. I mean, sorry, sorry, I had something in my throat. I mean, it's sort I, of I like uh, yeah, something happened there. It reminds me of a 20th century philosopher signed to the corporation Rockefeller by the name of Beanie Siegel. F that. Y'all told Mac to rap, right? Mm-hmm. Beanie Siegel was one of the best, we yeah. would agree. Yeah. But you never hear Beanie Siegel go, I'm the best rapper. No. His attitude has always been, no, I'm a very good drug dealer bully. You said I was good at rapping. Um, and I feel like that was what happened. That Pico thing also turned me off with that post-interview. He was like, well, maybe I, if you give me less competition, I'm going to have to hurt them. Yeah, I kind of, there's some character problems down there. Yeah. There's some character problems. And I like, TJ told a very nice story about how, you know, the people at Alpha Male are here to hurt people and they're bad, but you're kind of showing your character. Do you think that was an early stoppage? Oh, for the TJ fight? Yeah. So, I get that question asked a lot. Yeah. And for me personally, I'm, at, I'm right on that line where when they stopped it, I wasn't like, oh, it was too early. I was like, okay, I'm okay with it. I'm one, I, was I was okay with the stoppage. With the stoppage. I was 100% okay with the stoppage. If it would have been stopped a second or two earlier, then I would have been like, whoa, that was early. Right. But it got stopped right on the line. And, but I also wouldn't have been mad if they would have let it go either. So I'm, I'm right I'm 100%, on the money. Was he gonna, I'm 100% was, okay so was he going to recover? Unlikely. Tough to say. Unlikely. Tough to say. It's Likely. a coin flip at this yeah. point. It's but, very unlikely. But the stoppage was legitimate. I wasn't mad. And I just, I'm just thinking percentage-wise. Okay, I'm just doing possibilities. I'm walking this out. What was he gonna do? Okay, so he's already getting touched up. What was he gonna do? Shoot? And you're gonna that win against. You're gonna win against. You're gonna win against Cejudo. Cejudo was gonna choke. Well, you, you never up. know. You never. You, you never, never know, know what yeah. can happen because it's not like T.J. Dillashaw is actually a slouch with that wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you never know. Um, just like, just like when. A roided up John Jones took Daniel Cormier down. Right. You right. never know what could happen. Right. Yeah. True. I mean, although MMA, he was MMA on wrestling that stuff. is a different beast from traditional yes, it wrestling. Yes, sure is. Just like any martial, any traditional martial art, doesn't just the accolades from that martial art doesn't always translate over to mixed martial Absolutely arts. Absolutely not. I have this theory that every system you only take six things and two principles. That's fair. Like, obviously, boxing, you can do all this stuff. But if you try to box a kickboxer, you're going to get knocked out. Yeah, 100%. So you really just need to learn the four or, punches. Or get, yeah. your, or get your front leg beat the hell yeah. up. Right. Because yeah. that would be the first thing that i do. And I, I would go inside, not right. outside. Yeah. Right. I'm going inside. Right. right in that tender thigh. Right. And I guess for me, like I say, with boxing, it's there's the four techniques. And, the, of course, obviously, the, the evades, right? But really, you need to learn how to hide behind your shoulder. Mm-hmm. Right? You need to... Learn how to make sure your hands come back to your chin after you throw. Uh, yeah. And you need to learn how to lean. Yep. Right? And that's the principles that you pull out of it. Body shifting. Right. Body shifting. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I guess all of them, where they line up, is striking from your core, not striking from your arms. From your arm. Oh, 100%. Which is really hard to teach people more and more, I'm realizing, as I try to like show younger people or show women or whatever. And it's like really hard. Like, don't throw from your shoulders. Throw from your core. But. It's been my profession since I moved to Sacramento. That's yeah. what I do. I'm a personal trainer. Oh, got it. Really? Yeah. yeah. Whoa. Okay. Hey, sign up. Yeah. Sign up. He's got the credentials. You see Jim Rockling. Nice. Okay. Okay. Rockling, huh? All right. I'll Shout send, out. I'll send you some people. Well, ladies and gentlemen.
We're about to get into that stuff. I have to get ready before we oh, do boy. it. This is a main event, co-main event. We're going to take a break. I'm going to get my mind right, and we'll be right back. I am the sweet MBA. I am joined by our special guest. Hector Amadero Fajardo. We also have the nefarious. Diabolical Dr. J.K. Hawkins. Everything you see, hear, and experience is brought to you by Deshaun Davis at Dream Air Productions. We'll be right back. I'll at your boy. But on your calling card, not on ours. We don't do collect calls. Cagers, we love you. We need you. Please tell your friends about the Cage Against the Machine podcast. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Tell your friends to follow us on Twitter. Only good things will come from this. Your child will get into Stanford. Your favorite fighter will win the title. Thank you very much. And we are black. As hell. We're little brown. Happy Black History Month. You may not know who I am, but my name is Carter G. Woodson. Mm. I started a 28-day celebration many years ago to make sure that you and people like you study your own history. Because if you know yourself, you can love others. And some people have even told me that I resemble Nat Turner. I actually have a picture of me when that... No, I'm <laughs> Shouldn't be here. Um, so how do we step into this co-main event? Um... This is going to be emotionally difficult for me. If you've watched this show for a while, you should know that there is one fighter above all fighters that Sweet NBA idolizes and is inspired by and has defined the last 10 years of excellence for us. Hmm. Um, <coughs> and I want to frame it as, if you think about it, it was 10 years ago that we had the famous fight in the Coliseum. The last time that we ever had, saw the UFC. UFC 117. In the, in the wake of the first black president. Yep. Um, that filled that arena and gave hope to people uh, that also put his gym in the heart of South Central LA yep. to make sure that people had alternatives. And then they woke up one day and found out that their favorite fighter is the son of a Brazilian cop. But now, after spending some time, if you also have watched this show, you also know that I split my time between here, the United States, and the island of New Zealand. And if there's one fire, fighter that has made me inspired about what the next 10 to 20 years has been, it is this next fighter. Uh, so if you're a fan of martial arts, if you're a martial artist, I heard this great quote. Uh, let me go back to stealing information from Dean Thomas. Uh, but he's a brother, so I have to. There are three types of fighters. Let's figure, and I won't ask you what you are because I don't want you to give any tactics away to your enemies. There is the martial artists who are inspired by creativity. There is the athlete who is motivated by performance. And then there's the fighter who is out for blood. If you are into martial arts, if you're a fan of martial arts, if you see yourself as a martial artist, these two have to fight. You have to have this question answered. This question had to be answered Years ago, we had to know who would win between these two. In the same way that many years ago, in Oakland, California, people needed to know who would win, Bruce Lee or Wong Jackman. But if you're searching for black excellence, these, fight, these two cannot fight. They should be in the same camp. They should hand the torch. It's a very complicated, difficult issue. 
it's back to the question we often have when we're in the car. Did ether versus takeover raise the bar or did it lower us into the swamp? Hmm. Okay. Father time waits for no man. We know this, especially in MMA. Peak MMA age is 36. And I will say this until I'm blue in the face. Time is undefeated across all sports, not just mixed martial arts, all sports. I've often referred to this person as the Muhammad Ali of MMA. But what worries me about that analogy is when you think about his fight to get back the belt and what it cost him. Um, Anderson Silva has built an entire career based on saying, oh, is that the boundary? Is that the rule? Is that the limit you've given me and my people? I will defy that and show it to you. Um, that's why we love him. So it's not out of the realm of possibilities that Anderson Silva wins this fight and becomes a 185 contender. I said it's not outside of the realm. There's always a possibility. However, fighting the clone of himself, even Wolverine was gravely wounded. Anderson Silva has famously and scarily always said, who do you want to fight next? Myself. And now he's going to fight himself in Israel, Adesanya. I suspect it will be Israel by decision out of respect. Well, Cage Cousins, sweet, Hector. Um, I don't mend hearts, I break them. And the bottom line is... Because, Simone, <laughs> I don't make monkeys, I train them. <laughs> and, and the bottom line is... Um, Anderson Silva will be pushed to the brink of death in this fight. It's really just that simple. And it's going to be quick and it's going to be brutal. The bottom line is you don't put in a 43-year-old man in an octagon. With a broken leg. Yeah. In the octagon with an African killer. Because you're going to find yourself slaughtered. Not just the African killer. A Kiwi. Now, let's put in context what that means. Do you guys just see what Dan Hooker went through against? Yeah. Against, did you see, you saw yeah, that fight? I saw that. It was Barbosa. That's the, that's the whole island, bro. Yeah. That's the whole island. Yeah. You saw what Alex Volkanovsky went through? Yeah. That's the whole island. Why do you have to go through that far? Why, why you got to go through Volkanovsky for, man? You I'm know the, whole, the whole island has that attitude. Yeah. Like, I'm not backing down. That's, that's why true. they, that's why they, but, but, they were the first up, country to end slavery. Hold up, but let, let's be clear. Let's be clear. Israel Adesanya is African. Let, let's, let's Nigerian, Nigerian, yes. Let's be clear. Okay. They're tough as well. Just ask Usman. Right. I mean, they, they kind of got this interesting, like, shout-out relationship. Hey, sir, who do you have in this fight? I mean, this fight I got Izzy. Of course. Izzy Thump, baby. He's got it. I mean, I'll give it, I'll give it second round. I suspect he will uh, Derek Brunson him or a, uh, uh, Daniel Cormier him. Okay. I think he's going to do enough to win, but he's not trying to slay his hero. I think he'll give him the first round of respect, and then I think the second round, it's okay. he's going to And I see no respect round. at all, and I think it's going to be quick and painful. Got it. That, that's, either way, this fight is feeling quick and painful. Yeah. As yeah. long as no leg gets broken, yeah. I'm fine. 
but I accept that this man should probably either be in Bellator or 1FC. I love Or Anderson. how about this? Retire. How about just just retire? Let it go. You can't. Let it go. You can't. Hang up the gloves. He's not going It's done. Over. Finish. Finito. He can't hear you. Bellator. It's, it's over. Bellator will toss him a lot of cash. Let me, no, no, no. Let me throw a but, lot of but cash. But he's a loyalty guy, so he's not going to betray Dana. Let me give you two other names that he hangs out with to think about. Roy Jones Jr. Mm-hmm. Bernard Hopkins. Yeah. He, yeah. He Tell can't, me about it. He literally <laughs> cannot get the message. You can't email him and be like, it's time to quit. Yeah. God could come down and be like, do you think you should do something else? No, I mean, I want to inspire black children. How do I argue with that? I tell you how you argue with it. By realizing that you're getting, getting into the octagon with a Nigerian killer and realizing that your life is about to flash before your eyes. That's how you come to that conclusion. His fool is at the, remember, he's at the Madison Square fight and he calls me. I said, what's wrong? He's like, I think I'm going to a funeral today. I said, what do you mean? He's like, I think Daniel Cormier is going to kill your hero and hangs up. This fool is so dramatic. It's so terrible. <laughs> that's that's right. painful. <laughs> it's painful. All right, Cage Cousins, we're now moving on to your favorite time. I know because you guys always message us. It is now time for the main event of the evening. Oh, yeah. Fighting out of the blue corner. A male hailing from Mexico by way of Yuma, Arizona. He is the man from Arizona State, all-American wrestler, Kelvin Gastelum. And introducing the champion fighting out of the red corner. He is the man from Australia. By the way of New Zealand, he is the middleweight champion of the world, ladies and gentlemen, Robert Whitaker. Bobby Knuckles all day, son. Second round KO. I have deep, deep respect for Mexican boxing. Uh, you watch Fightland? A little bit, yeah. Did you see the Mexican boxing episode? Man, Adon always told me about that one, but it's I didn't incredible. watch it. Life changer. Yeah. Life changer. Yeah. Shout out to Adon. Yeah. We miss you. Yeah. Um, incredible episode. So I'm not going to sleep on Kelvin Gastelum's boxing. We've seen it. We saw him two-piece Bisbing. We saw him two-piece... Uh, 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 PED himself, TRT uh, Vitor. Um, he is no joke, um, but I feel that Whitaker's boxing, being that he is a Kiwi, is on some different stuff. I also think he's on some sneaky training that I won't give away. Um, and uh, I think we're going to see an amazing fight. It's not going to be exciting. But if you like martial arts, you're going to see something really cool. Uh, thoughts? I'll give it a decision. Uh, I think oh. he'll go the full five. Okay. Uh, Gaslam's tough. Yes. Great boxing. Good wrestling. Um, he's too tough for his own good. I think Robert's going to be the he's going to be the cleaner fighter. He's definitely going to. I think he's going to win the rounds. Yes. But we all know he's tough too. You've seen those fights with Yoel where he's fought with his jacked up knee and Dude. all sorts of injuries and Yoel couldn't get him out of there. And Yoel would clip him with the same punch he hit uh, Rockhold with. That he's yeah. ended people and Bobby was like, yeah, wobble, I'll be back up. He's a scrapper, he'll he's be fine. He's not playing. But I think he wins. He, he'll take rounds. I think he'll take rounds and wear him out. Yep. Okay, well, I see this fight completely different. Interesting. Um, Gastelum is just too fast. He's just too fast for 185ers. He's just too fast. 
Um, and and the quickness in the hands will show up in this fight. I am taking Gastelum to win the middleweight championship of the world by KO. That is interesting to see. I retort that as far as uh, Gastelum being quick and whatnot. Let's not forget. For 185ers, yes. Here's one thing, too. Let's not forget. What was Robert Whitaker fighting at? He was fighting at 170, 170. as well. Yeah. That is true. He's got the speed. That is true. So that's kind of where I'm like, oh, well, they're both. Former 170-pounders moving up to, you know, who are at 185. Um, I, I agree. I think Robert's that kind of, you know, that kind of speed technique fighter. I don't think Kevin, I don't think Kelvin's going to be faster than him, but he, I do agree he hits harder than him. I think he hits harder than Rob. Yeah. Um, I, I, I see this, I see this as a freaky combination with Gastelum putting Whitaker down. I can see that too. I also think that Gastelum has a problem that a lot of boxers do and that he's going to leave his chin open. Yeah. No, sure. For sure. And not for punches for kicks. Sure. Yeah, sure. Definitely. Um, sure. And I I think I think the problem is we keep seeing this series with Rob where he keeps fighting Yoel, so we keep holding that's the last memory. And then here's here here's another thing that I want to plug in. At some point the injuries catch up with yeah, you. Fair. Yes, I agree. agree. At some point, the injuries catch up with you. And he, and who, who knows injuries better than me? Right, right. Um, True. But he's got a couple. <laughs> Gaston's got, got, got some himself. Um, I think we just got to remember who Whitaker was when he faced Derek Brunson and who he faced uh, yeah. uh, Jacare. Mm-hmm. And remember mm-hmm. that guy rather than holding up the, the template of Yoel Romero, who, you know, is still looming and lurking. He's going to fight one of these guys. And I think Gaslam mentally doesn't want to be at 185. No. In his heart, he wants no, to be at he 170. Doesn't. He doesn't, but he had to He had to come to grips with the fact that 170 was just too tough a cut. For sure, but I think mentally him going at 185, I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing for him. I mean, in his mind, I think if he loses, he'd be like, well, I'm going to go to 170 and try it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it, he's going to give that shot. Do you know I, what Gaslam is now? Where is he training? Is he, st- is he with Perillo still? Man, he Less was I heard. bouncing all over the place. Yeah, yes. Um, Which sometimes can be good. Last sometimes. I heard, he was at King. No, he left King. He was for a little he bit. Left King, he man. left King. A lot I of think. those guys. A lot of those guys. I don't done. know why I thought huh. for a I second. I think the only one who's staying there is Verdum, and he's like, I want out of the UFC. Yeah. Y'all going to test me? I need to leave. I don't know why Ga- Why I think Gaslam... Was he linked with Cejudo? I don't know if he was linked there at all, maybe. Really? No. That's interesting. I thought maybe. I saw that in a camp, maybe. Maybe. Really? That's interesting. Maybe, okay. Maybe San Diego? I forget. This guy you know jumps what? all I'll, over the I'll, place. I'll, I'll look into it. Yeah. I can... Christ, we got sources. Yeah. I know a guy who knows a guy. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. That's interesting. Back to the Arizona State Wrestling, though. Who else do we know who came out of that program? Cain Velasquez. Cain. And uh, uh, the new heavyweight champion, apparently, of Bellator. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Ryan Bader. Bader. Mm-hmm. Yep. So is Ryan that a- Bader and Cain Velasquez were actually teammates. Right. Yeah. So was that a real fight, or was that, hey, Fedor? Um, um, that was what I told you needed to happen in the first place. Fedor needed to retire. Yeah. But the way he hit him with that, I've been like, mm. but But, I mean... It, Bader's an interesting subject, right? right. Because, a- as you know, I have always said that Bader is going to be always going to be a good fighter, but never good enough to win a title, which is why I think he transitioned to Bellator. Because, I mean, if we're going to be completely honest, uh, 
He had his run in Bellator. I mean, in uh, in the UFC. Yeah. I don't think he was. He was just going to be another gatekeeper. Yeah, if he exactly. Stayed there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's why he was never good enough to really win yeah. a title. Yeah. Not really. And then there's also the other piece, and and not to be. You know, a D bag. There was that moment where Daniel Cormier was like, "Hey, uh, do you think people actually want to pay to watch you fight?" You Not saying you- any names, <laughs> Ben Askren. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, I don't know, bro. Uh, well, I think, well, what is it that you don't know? I think Ben Askren got that pull power. Like he's like the soldier boy of of, of MMA, man. The trolls like his yeah. his trash because because he goes directly at Dana. So I think he's got that pull power yeah, for now. He runs yeah, his route. But if he loses, it's done. That's if the he thing loses, he hasn't lost it's yet. So, but, he's, but, yeah. see, but see, here's the thing. And this is my problem with yeah. Ben Askren. He's never faced competition to this level True. before. True. And that's, and that's where my issue with him is. So let's see him back Let's in. let's Let's see what happens. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, back to uh, Cocaine Jones. It's like, who has he fought that can actually put his lights out? Uh, yeah, good question. Yeah. Well, he's fought Cormier, but he was roided up. But Cormier can't, you know, Cormier wasn't a cripple you with a, a strike kind of guy. Well, he at light heavyweight. Well, not at light heavyweight. Not at light heavyweight. He wasn't, and to fight somebody with that much range, he wasn't going to fight him that way. Right. Whereas, like Jones, never had to face Rumble. That's true. Right. Rumble he never had punching power. Yeah, but he took that shoulder out real quick. Mm. Glover got ass- Glover's training time got assassinated during those three years they wouldn't let him into the yeah, UFC. Yeah, yeah, that, that right. jacked him. Yeah. That jacked him. Yeah. Right. Um, well, looks like we got to wrap this thing up, y'all. Yeah, this has been a, a great... We um, This really stinks. I was uh, having fun. Yeah, yeah, we really enjoyed this, and we're going to be supporting you. And you guys... Um, Hector's gonna need sponsorships. He's gonna need your eyeballs. He's gonna need his career. You're gonna you're gonna support him, Cage Cousins. We're gonna put him all over Instagram and things like that. Please support the locals. This is how um, our name gets out there. Right. Um, and this is the mecca of mixed martial arts. Straight it up. Is. So let's Without make sure. So let's make sure that we're supporting our own here. Straight up. John Jones is from New York. Hector is from the, the soil, upstate New York. Put your money, put your money where your mouth is. We don't do it for the culture, we do it for the infrastructure. I am the sweet MBA. I brought with me the diabolical doctor, J.K. Akins. We also have Hector El Matador Fajardo. And everything you see here and experience is brought to you by Deshaun Davis at Dream Ear. And without further ado, Shift! Sure.